This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. been a huge week in the Joseph household. We have had a eighth grader graduate, no longer a middle schooler, and we have gone to a uh, recital rehearsal for what could possibly be her last dance recital. We're a little bit emotionally drained in this household, but guess what? It's time to let loose the melodrama, let loose the, oh my God, how old am I that my daughter's going into high school next year? We're going to talk comics, and we have got an amazing project to talk about. Um, you may have many uh, very uh, truthful loves, but we have one true love tonight. And uh, before we get into that, Will, uh, my one of my many true loves, Will, how are you this week? Doing great. And uh, we'll have to chat offline about uh, feeling old, buddy. <laughs> you 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 may you may have me by a couple birthdays and a couple um uh twin boys who are adults and out of college so yes yes offline we may have to go down that stroll so i can feel like chipper and uh uh young and uh footloose and fancy free off my lawn youngster <laughs> <laughs> well we only have one project to talk about so instead of doing the 30 second pitch uh i'm gonna ask our our creators of one true love to introduce themselves now uh mario we've met you so jay if you could introduce yourself first and uh who are you what do you do what makes you tick and what is your one true love you want mario or is it uh, sure. Sure, uh, my name's Jay Sheik. Uh, if I have a one true love, it's probably comics, to be honest. It's like I went, went to school to be an animator and uh, fell back into, I, I remember calling it that, or my first true love, uh, which is comics. Um, I'm the artist writer of Hush Ronin from Band of Bards. Uh, been in a number of anthologies doing horror, crime. Um, I don't say that I'm typecast, but those are the kinds of things that I tend to gravitate towards as a reader and definitely as a, um, as an artist as well. 
uh, Mario and I've worked on a number of things in the past, and this is the biggest kind of culmination of that um, periodic uh, collaborative relationship we have. Nice. It sounds like you work in visceral storytelling. Uh, uh, what is it? Are you drawn to that? Or is your, um, do you feel your art draws writers to you for that? Um, I think it's maybe a little bit of both. Uh, I'm definitely, I like when it comes to things I love to draw, I'm, I, I'm big into the human figure. I like uh, realistic kind of stories and storytelling. Uh, it's a lot of why I don't really get into superhero comics so much. And especially since I've kind of uh, gotten into this professionally, I've moved away from, uh, I would say, capes and cowls almost entirely. I, I do still read some Batman occasionally, but for the most part, um, you know, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Jacob Phillips, um, Chris Condon with uh, That Texas Blood. Those are some favorites from recent years. And um, I, I tend to, you know, stories that could, you know, I'd say more, more realistically happen more so than a, a superhero book might. And that's a lot of what I, I end up kind of drawing on my, on my own, even just for, for things I like to, um, that aren't part of it or not necessarily part of a project. Oh, awesome. All right. So Mario, you are here for the, I believe the Purple Eyes anthology, yeah. which uh, was an amazing concept and a really cool idea. Um, but, but now you're here for your own baby. So uh, if, if somebody hasn't met you, Mario, who are you? What, what, what brings you into comics and you can't answer comics. What is your one true love? Oh, I got a great answer for that one. Hey guys, my name is Mario. I'm a writer and comedian. Uh, what brought me into comics? I think it's just the flashy tights and the fact that in the store they were like eye level when I was three, right next to the candy. Right. <laughs> My first comics were like Count Duckula and Police Academy and Heathcliff, and then I graduated from X Men. I kind of stayed stuck in X Men all the way up right. till now. But you know, I still mess with Brewbreaker. Uh, I have everything he and Phillips have done in a hardcover. Um, also Faithless. I just got the big hardcover for that. And uh, Lovesick is a really, really good story from Luana Vecchio uh, out of Italy. Um, I think the trade for that's coming out. But uh, my one true love, I would say is Diet Mountain Dew. I'm not kidding. I drink many cans a day and my doctors don't know how I'm alive. It's just, <laughs> I, I have them here. I'm, I'm sponsored by them apparently. <laughs> Hey, you know what? If, if if you gotta do the do, you gotta do the do. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I was I was big time in uh, diet coke, like in a in a way that I probably have a coke coke shaped mass of aspartame in my liver. <laughs> <laughs> I have just do it, but it's spelled like you know D E W is tattooed on my side. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I I know your I know your addiction. I know your pain. Um, I. I was at a place that had sodas and there was an A&W can and it was just speaking to me. And I just, yeah. I had to go away because, you know, like, I'm not going back, man. I'm not going back. I can't do it. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll drink all the time. I, you know, I don't smoke cigarettes, but I smoke cigarettes. I, I do heroin, but I'm not going to drink soda. God damn it. <laughs> I got one bite. Yeah. I have a fridge under my desk at work. I'm the only person in my office because I switched offices and I, like they have a kitchen, but I was like, well, I bought a fridge a couple of years ago, so I'm going to keep it. And it's full of sodas now because I just don't want to, <laughs> you know, go up and use the vending machine. <laughs> you know, God bless you. I love it. Will, what's your one true love? Uh, got to put, gotta put well, the co-host on the spot. Uh, 
you know, my wife, of course, of, of many years. But uh, see, my well, wife doesn't listen to this show, so I don't have to answer that. But apparently, okay. apparently, <laughs> uh, we got a listener, and and thank you very much, Stace. We appreciate it. <laughs> okay, I, I don't think she's. Li- yeah, she's not listening now. I, I comics have been there my entire life. I mean, there's there's something magical about the the efficiency and the the beauty of a comics page and and the ability to tell a story in the mixing, you know, of of words and pictures that you know, going taking me back to 5 or 6 years old for my first comic, right? You know, it, it's uh, that's that's why we do it. You know, it got in our veins. It got in, it got in our soul, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, my one true love, uh, you know, honestly, get in that group of people that just make you laugh in a way that you cannot control yourself. Uh, the people that just know how to just hit you with something in a way that you're, you're just doubled on the floor. Uh, got to pull off the road because you can't drive anymore. So my one true love is being, is laughing hysterically because somebody <laughs> somebody knows how to get you. I do love my comics. I do love my wife. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say just laughing uncontrollably with two or three people and in a way that is annoying to everybody else around you. That's the best um, medicine, right? I, I, hey, you know what? It saved me from my aspartame uh, asphyxiation. So. <laughs> so we got Shawnee, we got Blake in the in in the chat. Blake, great to see you. Um, who needs Cape Comics when you're making the noir event of the summer, baby? And let's get into the noir event of the summer. I'm going to pull mm-hmm. up the page and and we're going to check this out. While I do. Um, Mario, did you approach Jay? Jay, did you approach Mario? How did how did this um, uh, project first start? Yeah, Mario. Uh, yeah, I asked him. A short answer, I asked him. I've been working on this story for years. Uh, you know, just trying to find the right person. And you know, Jay's. Uh, we've worked together, as you mentioned, and uh, a few times over the years, uh, different time periods, oddly enough. And yeah, we just came together, and you know, it's like you know, I think uh, looking at style, he might be the the one to bring this to uh, to fruition. I'm By always way, on your side, Jay. You've already got the project yeah. we love stamp. I see before we we pop down, which is which is incredible. So good job. So, but Jay, how was it on your side? Sorry to interrupt. I remember uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, Mario hit me up. Uh, it was like January, February, I think 2021. I had just finished doing a 60, 64 pages of roughs for a graphic novel that I ended up getting, um, let's see, fired from. Oh, I, I remember that. It wasn't really, it, it was just kind of just very curtly, uh, thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, because of your like, roughs? Okay, yeah. Um, it, uh, it just wasn't, wasn't where it needed to be. I won't name any names. It did eventually yeah. get with a different artist attached. And I think I was the third artist, which should have been a warning sign there. And I think by the time this fellow got his fifth artist, he finally found what he wanted. Um, but it was uh, an excellent, it was nice to reconnect with a friend on something for one, somebody I, you know, I, I knew and had worked with uh, and an excellent palette cleanser from the, 
negative experience that that was. So these uh, pages that you're going through here were kind of uh, what I, I turned out shortly after Mario approached me. I think we turned these out when it was like two, three weeks. I, I mean, uh, was yeah, a couple years. you were really quick yeah. with this though. Oh, wow. Well, a uh, quick question I, for you. you uh, you've got uh, a landscape uh, orientation for this book. Is that, um, is that, you know, part of the pitch from you, Mario, or is that something that you came up with, Jay? Because it's, you know, it's a different way to approach the page and it, it changes, you know, flow and page layout and all that stuff. So I, I'm really interested in, in, in the whys and wherefores of that. Uh, that was Mario's decision I think, to uh, to go with the landscape format. I, I'd never really done one. I, I've done some square comics prior, mm -hmm. um, but it, it was, it's been fun to work with. Uh, it, it, it uh, lends itself very well to those like 16 by nine kind of um, like a film uh, frame kind of, kind of panel. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to be different. Right? I don't challenge myself. I want to, I want to mess with people's bookshelves if we get this made. <laughs> no, uh, Jay style is very cinematic. Right. And I've seen a number of, uh, you know, uh, landscape uh books my mentor uh victor santos famously did the whole polar series which is now a netflix show uh movie excuse me on um in dark horse and that was done in that format and just seeing that look cool because it's you know i mean uh, a lot of people read digital books on their phones now but some people still have laptops and tablets and i'm looking at this giant monitor app here you know i like that <laughs> that wide frame where i can look at a full page and say okay well i have this scroll i can just use the arrow tab or spacebar or whatever to move to the next one mm -hmm. uh but just his style is so uh cinematic that i've i can picture wide shots so instead of stacking up uh you know the panels as you go down just flowing it over from the left hand to the right hand as you go, uh, you know, it just, you know, also giving them room to, you know, uh, you know, do wider establishing shots about fear of, okay, we have the gutters here and here, but we also have to try to fit more up on top and on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Awesome. D did you find those discussions after you had scripted it out or, or was that part of the very initial scripting process? Uh, it was not part of the script. I mean, uh, my scripts are boring, right? It's just, you know, page one, <laughs> panel 1.2, this happens, you know? Uh, <laughs> and then I just, um, this is one of the rare books I don't get involved in really for like, at least the first few pages of, okay, this is how I see this page, you know, laying out, or I put little notes for like how I see the flows with uh, mm -hmm. regular portraits, you know, landscape comics. I'll put, okay, narrow panel from the sides, you know, like, like like taking up right to left and then stacked underneath that and then i will i'll just put little things here and there to try to you know mess with the shapes so that way i get my image across i just left it open to jay uh for better or worse no pro probably for better because i know we as writers i think try to think visually mm -hmm. as opposed to have been having been trained to think visually and mm -hmm. uh like handing it off to somebody who's been trained i think is always the right choice uh, there's there's nothing wrong with trying to do so for yourself, but kind of getting out of the way when they make a change, I personally think is the right way. But I, I like the fact that you just kind of like said, no, I, I need all this to happen. And here you go, Jackson. Kind of like partial, <laughs> kind of personally Marvel method in, in a way. What I like about it too, with the landscape, and this is something I run into with uh, 
let's say a lot of scripts, you know, you get to a new page, you get to panel one, panel one kind of has to do panel one stuff of setting up whatever that new page is about. And sometimes it's, you know, panel one is a fairly small moment, then you get to panel two, and that's a big moment. And it's like trying to fit on a, you know, standard portrait orientation page, so to speak, you know, how, how small can you make panel one to let panel two breathe on the same tier? Or do I have to give panel one the whole tier and now this small moment becomes big or as big as this really big moment that follows after? Um, and it's not always like that uh, where the big moment lands in panel two, but you know, it, it's it's been often enough where I'm like, oh, why does it have to be in the second one? Why can't it be in three or four where I can move right. it down the page a little bit? Like if you, look at preview, sorry, yeah. if you look at the preview pages, like the first one, his establishing shot takes up almost the entire right-hand side excuse me, left-hand side. And then it just goes on to two smaller panels, which we kind of mirror for the final, for the fifth page of this preview. You know, so that way it's, you know, your establishing shot and then your your exit shot as you then turn the page for what would be then page six to go to the next scene, see what happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from a, a panel density standpoint, uh, you know, the amount of story that we can pack into a page, and I'm thinking... You know the the portrait orientation you know comics these days seem to average what five panels per page or something along those lines um mm. and you can you know you can do a lot with that but you know you can you can really mess with that format by changing it to landscape and you know i really like i really like the call out to that you know cinematic nature because you know you know on this page right here for instance um I know there's three different panels here on the side, but that immediately reminded me of a film strip, mm -hmm. you know, just the, the look of it, right? Mm -hmm. And and I get, I think noir is one of those those genres that is so defined and associated with film that you know making those subtle tiebacks to that is really really cool, you know. So bravo. Like, like if you go up one page, sorry, if you want to bring back the page, <laughs> let's do it. Let's one, do it. Come on, Kevin. Come Straight on, man. Straight down the center. Straight down the center. It's honestly like frame for frame. <laughs> you know, a repeat if you see that. Just Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and that's... Uh, it's, that up. It, it's really cool. I uh, Now, you know, another question from a formatting standpoint, you know, noir, black and white, is that why you chose black and white? Because you wanted this to be, you know, to, to give it that more noir feel? Or, you know, did, did color ever come into the conversation uh you know i could just say yes this was the plan all along but honestly it's a budget reason you don't you don't have to be but we do appreciate it of course yeah no i don't hide anything yeah you know color is unfortunately your know, additional cost was printing and color mm -hmm. brings the price up from like mm -hmm. i think uh one one something to like three something a page or not a page a copy and that's just starting off with like a basic like 20 something or 40 something page book right if you want to start putting into the uh, hundreds of pages you're looking at a lot more and unfortunately we don't have the pull for the volume to make that really you know offset no I, you can't you can't cut into your uh, mountain dew budget no <laughs> the only color he has in his life is yellow <laughs> and, uh, in defense of the idea that we we had this all the black and white thing planned all along, I mean, like film film noir is kind of let's see defined by black and white. It's not that there aren't color noir films like Chinatown would be a great example of it. Yeah, but yeah. Color itself just brings in that whole other layer of information that you know 
can I'm gonna say confuse a reader, but it, it can sort of cloud the subject a little bit if it if it disharmonizes with the art. And mm -hmm. I, I know I, I I'm a I'm a big fan of like black and white photography, black and white film. Uh, it's easier for me to work in black and white if I'm toning uh, versus having to make all those color decisions myself. We did have another colorist lined up for this thing because that that's uh, the slowest part of the process for me is if I'm if I'm also coloring my yeah. own work. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, stylistically, I think it, it, it was certainly poised to work either way, color or black and white. And I, I think it's, it's still going to sing on the page, uh, even without color. Yeah, I wanted Ronan, the accuser in the chat says it's a, it's beautiful, loving the look of this book. And I, I, I do agree. I mean, Jay, the work that you put on those pages, it, it is, it, it's visceral. Like, like um, it, it feels like we're going to get to some punches in this story and that the, we as readers are going to feel those punches. And that's always exciting mm -hmm. in a film noir movie, a film noir comic. You, you want to be dirty. You want to be bloody with the characters. And I kind of appreciated it. Um, not, not so much um, the exact way you illustrate, but um, looking at those pages remind me of DNS who used to do the, uh, 5D comics with David Brown, um, you know, and they're, it, 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 look them up. They, DNS okay. uh, just did uh, something with um, Anthony Stokes, um, the, the last one that, that Anthony did, but uh, his his work is oh, very okay. visceral and painful and mm -hmm. horrific. And I'm saying all of these things as compliment, compliment, compliment. Uh, so <laughs> I, I love artists that can make me feel bloody and dirty and, and I appreciate it those pages that I saw. I appreciate that. Thank you. So is this a one and done story? Is this a part? I, I kind of, you know, looked at the page, but I didn't check on is, are, are we getting the full story like a, a, a Phillips Brubaker uh, joint? Yep. Uh, yeah. Jay, you want to point it at you? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, you wrote it. I, I, but yeah, but my uh, understanding is um, yeah, I want, this is it. Um, very, very much like a reckless book. You know, you're getting the whole thing all at once. Uh, so, that's, yeah. That's and beautiful. this is 90 pages. Is that right? Did I read yes. that right? Yes. Wow. That's uh, that's a, as, as we like to say, you know, down here in the South, that's a big old slab of comics. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can trademark that, Will. A big that's, a barrel, that's a barrel, big old slab of comics. <laughs> I'll get all heat. Yeah. yeah. How, I uh, wanna, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll say, I, I didn't want to break this up into issues and have like the, oh, that cliffhanger on page 20 or something, right? We want to just mm -hmm. tell the full story the way it would. I mean, uh, Jay's, I keep going back to cinematic as a descriptor, but Jay's art feels that way. The page, you know, layout lends to that feeling. So we just want to just go with it from scene to scene to scene. Uh, the story amps up, the story builds up to, you know, a uh, to a definite ending, and I think that going issue to issue versus just this you know, one volume kind of makes it more episodic, but kills that flow like you would for uh for let's say like a multi or like a limited series TV show versus a film. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this is this is the whole story. Here for, no, that makes nice. that makes a lot of sense. I think because we are in an era of the six issue trade paperback, you know, if you are still reading big two books, every story arc is six issues, whether it should be 
a one, you know, one and done <laughs> or a 12 issue maxi, it's going to be a six issue uh, arc and uh, kind of, there are some people who are geniuses at it and they can get you a cliffhanger at the end of every 22 pages, you know, like a, a Brian K. Vaughn uh, type writer who can always find the cliffhanger that makes you insane for the next issue um, or a not Brian K. Vaughn who uh, the story sort of ends and then eight, eight pages into the next issue, then the next chapter starts, you know? <laughs> so I think it's smart of you to look at your, this book is what this book needs. And if this book didn't need cliffhangers, I think it's brilliant not to try to take a, a round piece and put it in a square hole. Yeah, absolutely. How, uh, if I can ask, uh, and I, and I'm curious for both because Mario, do you want me to mute him? I can, I can. <laughs> <laughs> he actually can. He has before, I think. I, I don't know um, how, but apparently I <laughs> um, as, as a writer, you know, this is a 90-page script that, that you worked on for, you know, how long did it take you to develop the script and get the script to a point that you could hand it off to Jay? And then Jay, how long did it take you to draw this beast? Uh, I mean, I've been working on this since 2018, and I don't think I'll be done until it's, you know, actually out of my hands fully. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been working at it several years now. Uh, Jay, yeah. I don't know how you feel um, about that. <laughs> well, I mean, as far as like the, the time and drawing it, it's still kind of up in the air for, for a good part of it. Um, you know, like I can, I can crank out pages pretty fast once I get going. And especially if it's a story I'm enthusiastic about, uh, if I'm familiar already with the kinds of things that I'm drawing, you know, it kind of comes out uh, fairly quick where the, the six or seven pages, six pages here, I think took about two weeks to get them where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, I've done, I mean, just thinking of an example, I've got Hush Ronin number two, I'm getting ready for print. It's 58 pages. And I drew all of that since January 1st of this year uh, and inked wow. it and toned it. Um, so it, mm -hmm. it, it all depends, um, you know, in balancing other projects in the midst of that too, because I tend to keep kind of a, a lot of things in rotation. Right. So I'm never bored. I'm always busy, but I'm never bored. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, um, and I, I, again, going, going to what I gravitate towards with it being crime, horror, um, the, the visceral types of stories or something where I can, uh, I've got a chance to display some good character acting with, with the characters mm -hmm. and their design and their, their, how they emote on the page. Uh, that that's a, I, I lose track of the time when I'm doing it because I'm just having so much fun. So you, nice. you, you kind of uh, talked about kind of moving from the, the capes and cows to this. Uh, let's go in the way back machine as, as a kid or a teenager reading comics. What was the comic that showed you that this medium could be more than X-Men or Batman? What was, what was that book that kind of opened your eyes to, oh, we can tell, they can tell other stories here? Um the one that really sticks out in my mind was when I discovered walking dead in 2009. Uh, I had picked up a few back issues from a, a local comic shop. Uh, a friend of mine had some of the trades and I kind of pieced together uh, the arc up to that point. I think they were around issue 65 or so when I first started reading it and I was just hooked. Like uh, I got really hooked on Tony Moore's art in the first four or five issues. And then, it switches to Charlie Adelard and I was like 
wasn't so hot on that and then won me over and now i, I much prefer uh charlie's work over over tony's is because there's there's more realism to it hmm. uh but it was one of those stories where and there were points where i almost put it down like uh getting to like the governor types that stuff if you've read it um it, it was just horrific things that these people are doing and you realize you know that the the whole idea of it is the zombies are just window dressing to the real problem which is the living um mm. uh, they're the, they're the real real trouble in the story and it was i mean not a superhero to be found in there uh i don't say any any real heroes necessarily everybody's got a a dark secret that they're hiding in that book and yeah it just um is it, i was still i'm trying to remember what else i was reading at the time because comics have kind of ebbed and flowed for me i remember getting really heavy into like uh ultimate spider-man when that came out 20 some odd years ago uh and how they had kind of re rewritten the whole spider-man narrative but mm -hmm. with that that lens of hindsight that let them kind of uh fit things more neatly together right uh, but it was still hero books up to that point i think yeah i i got uh ultimate spider-man on comiXology they had a a sale it was like 99 dollars for all like 260 issues or whatever yeah. from one all the way through like 30 issues of miles morales and i was like well this is the only chance i'll ever afford to read this so i popped it on <laughs> and there is a lot of extremely good stuff in that you know we yeah. there there are some people that love bendis there are some people that hate bendis i would say that ultimate spider-man is some of his better work um well, and, and, and yeah, and Mark Bagley as an artist yes. on that. I mean, that, yeah, and that team, that team stayed together. For about, you know, what, 90 over, issues or something? It was a long think, time. Yeah, yeah that huge, huge number Sarah Pichelli took over at one point, but Bagley was on it forever. They they kind of defined Spider-Man for me as a kid. Uh, I, I picked up on Spider-Man right around issue 350 is the first Spider-Man comic I remember reading. And that was back in the Eric Larson days. Mm -hmm. And that, that sort of transition from Larson into uh, Bagley and Bendis. Uh, when they get back, they, you know, reintroduce the clone stuff with Jackal and um, and Ben, uh, Ben Riley. I'm trying to remember. All, it's, yeah. it's been a very long time now, but. No, nice. Mario, well, what what about you? What, what, uh, or Will, we, we'll come back to Mario. What, what did you have, Bo? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mario, <laughs> what was your book? that that did uh, did this for you yeah uh i mean i was always reading superhero books even up till now uh you know and then i got into horror and sci-fi stuff you know why the last man and the walking dead but the one book that told that showed me what comics could be rather than what i was seeing was the alcoholic by jonathan ames and dean haspiel from vertigo i think that's like mm -hmm. 2006 maybe uh amazing story about just this guy's struggle with alcohol um Jonathan Ames is a comedic writer. Uh, he did up several novels. He did the show Bored to Death. Um, but yeah, I mean, the story starts off with a guy getting a blowjob in the car from an elderly woman, and then it rolls back to his first sip of alcohol as a kid. So, you know, uh, just showing trials and tribulations of that kind of coming of age story and uh, coming a fuck up story. I don't, I don't want to attack anyone else's writing, but if someone's telling me that receiving that is your rock bottom, I'm going to say <laughs> bullshit on you, but I haven't read it. Maybe in context, it, it makes more sense. 
There's uh, a scene where uh, it takes place. It, it all takes place in Brooklyn, or most of it takes place in Brooklyn. But he's running from some Russian mobsters in Pony Island after hitting on one of their girlfriends at a bar, and he gets underneath the boardwalk and is burying himself underneath the sand to try to hide from them. <laughs> I'm just like, this is insane. Uh, another another one is Twelve Reasons I Love Her from Jamie Rich and Joelle Jones. It's just an amazing love story. And then they came back together for You Have Killed Me. Um, but just that era, I think the comics showed me, okay, it is, it, it's more than just, you know, single issues leading up to a trade or, you know, just uh, event books. It, 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 it could just be this one volume of stuff and you just move on to another. Kind of like a Harvey Picard, you know, with mm-hmm. the book The Quitter. Or that's just, that's just a, you know, a uh, crusty old guy being a crusty old guy, you know? Yeah. With, <laughs> like, it's basically Kirby enthusiasm on paper. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I really once once I saw that, I expanded what com- it, it it sorry it expanded my mind of what comics could be, and kind of helped you know form my approach. Do you have one, Will? Oh, uh, I mean, I still obviously I love Green Lantern, right? Yeah, I, of course. <laughs> so I mean, I still the hero the hero books. I don't really buy as many of them. I, Green Lantern is is a book that's important to me, you know, for my entire life. But something that showed, uh, you know, um, again, I'm old, so this, I think probably Alan Moore Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. what he did on, uh, you know, his first issue of the Swamp Thing, the Anatomy Lesson, it's. Swamp Thing growing a new body, which sounds really boring, but I mean the the way he structured it and just the it, it's a really beautiful and kind of horrific issue, you know, mm-hmm. which is what you know Swamp Thing was about. So I, I, you know, I I I would have to say probably that just because I'm so old and yeah, that's <laughs> that was what's going on at the time. <laughs> I'm slightly younger, but still old enough <laughs> for Alan Moore to be my answer too. Mine was V for Vendetta. Um, ah. You know, you, you you start this story, and there's this charismatic lead who's attacking the government of England, and he's you know protected this young girl, and of course, I you know loved it. But Steady Diet of X Men, where they didn't win every issue, but they probably won every issue you know and uh <laughs> batman always caught the the bad guy even if the bad guy got away he did stop the crime and here it was like issue three four five and v just throws evie out just abandons her and i know it's a 10 issue miniseries and it broke me i was like 13 years old and it broke me that the protagonist <laughs> could do this to this girl and I and I actually met uh, David Lloyd. Uh, he was doing a signing at a shop once, and I told him that, and he just kind of laughed. He's like, "Yeah, he wasn't so nice to her that uh, that issue." But did you stick with it? And I said, "Yeah." And he's like, "All right, all right." But but that that just that it's not always going to be wrapped up in a neat little package was the gift that's been with me since reading that. Even even though there's so many more gifts in that series uh, for me. Just, it won't always be wrapped in a neat little package. It won't always be fun and it won't always be great is a gift that really has been with me since I read that. So Mm. nice. But I still love X-Men and they're probably going to win at the end of most issues. So that's great too. (laughs) (laughs) 
I finally read Saga the Swamp Thing this last year. That, that's one I've been meaning to get to forever. Mm. And it, it's really, it's cool to see, you know, like um, the emergence of John Constantine and um, mm. how all that ties in. And I've, I've started reading those since. And, uh, you know, and then it gets into it eventually even Sandman, especially like in the early volumes. Oh, yeah. And he was still very much um, kind of tethered to the DC universe for right. the character, at least for uh, up through... Um, volume one or the preludes and nocturnes yeah no salmon did it for me too though as an adult where you know they they the the issue before he goes to hell and you know salmon puts on his helm he puts on his cloak he grabs all of his weapons and he goes to hell and i'm just like you know i go back i, I go from you know 28 to 13 like yeah salmon's gonna <laughs> kick lucifer's ass and he he goes to hell and i, I don't want to spoil it for somebody who hasn't read it you got to read sandman but he doesn't fight hell and i was just like oh shit you can you can make that was like that turn blew my mind that was the most insanely clever piece of storytelling i think i've seen in a comic at, at least as far as the um the ramifications of it and how it it really um if you've read mike carey's lucifer series um it, it really set it up for that to even happen mm -hmm. uh, which is I, I i almost hold it equal with sandman i really i really enjoyed reading i just read it earlier this year in fact um had hadn't really delved into it before but uh enjoyed that very much oh that's awesome to hear i, I actually have not read it but i've got to put it on my um uh... You know my my library app. Uh, I need I need to grab that. <laughs> it's superb. That's awesome. Nice. Well, it's eleven thirty-five. Let's um let's talk other projects that you guys have done. Now, Mario, you just had tales from the. Um, you say it, so I don't say it wrong. Tales from the pandemic. Tales from the pandemic. Not tales just from the quarantine. I I, yeah. I wanted before I said it <laughs> wrong. I just no. wanted to let you do it. Ooh, came out in comic shops, um, and that came out through which was it? Band of Bards or was it Scout? Yeah, I'm you got it right. Band of Bards. Band of Bards. Okay. Yeah. So Band of Bards, who is is we're we're big fans of that group just because they put out good books and they put out they champion good people. Um, how have you felt um, that book is done? Are you happy with it with it coming out? Uh, I mean, we sold out the print run month a month or so before nice. it came out. So, so I guess yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. No, no <laughs> we got a second print coming. Uh, I think they're going to resolicit it too for shops with a different cover as well for the October scene. I'm not sure about that, but no, I'm pretty happy with uh, you know the uh, the release and the reception we've received so far from some people uh and that's something that jay worked on as well with me so this was uh this was a uh the original version was a web series that i made back in 2020 when the lockdowns happened mm. and you know donald trump gave us money and a lot of my friends lost work so i was like you know i, I was still in my office my wife was still working so we were thankful to still have that so i was like you know what let me take this money and put some comics together so i took the trump bucks you know and i reached out to some of my friends and i was like hey how would you guys feel about doing like a bunch of three pagers right something mm -hmm. we could put online for free and we just wanted to make some twilight zone type stories that i wrote um put that on gum road for a couple of weeks maybe a month or two and then just took it off the shelves just because that was you know we wanted to have it for that specific time okay 
And then, uh, yeah, years later, talking to Tim and those guys, we're just like, hey, I have this dormant property. If you guys want something that's ready to go. And they, you know, back and forth, they liked it. They wanted to have something different. So we added some extra stories. I didn't have time to write then. So I brought two of my friends, uh, James Ferguson and Matt Sumo. I was like, hey, I have this book. Can you guys do some, create some new stories? I reached out to Jenny Odio. I love her work. She's amazing. So she can draw it. And also uh, Laura Helsby. I love their work as well. We've worked together on, on a number of things. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, uh, help my, help book my friends and give them a yeah. credit, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but if you can, that's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean like, it, getting my friends a credit on something that I already did a lot of work for isn't going to hurt me at all, right? Plus, it helps, you know, them. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that's the name of the game for me right now, trying to trying to get the boys a gig. So <laughs> the metaphorical <laughs> boys, not the boys and the girls, the, ga- the guys and yes. the gals. That's right. I'm a big wrestling fan. They always talk about the boys in the back. They mean all ah. the boys of all the genders. <laughs> Is that where you and James uh, uh, bonded in the the wrestling? I love the the wrestling comics uh, carryover. Ah. I, I I'm not into the wrestling uh, so much, but it does crack me up sometimes. I'm watching when I'm it on right Twitter. now. Twitter, yeah. And there's there's a huge like football game on and a huge wrestling thing on. I can tell yeah. which of my comic friends are. You know, with me with football, which are you and James, or you know, it's, it's great. <laughs> I don't know if my birds are playing. I'm I'm watching that. I'm turning off everything else. You know, yeah, fly, you fly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, James is James and I met a long time ago. I did this book called Corktown, uh, and he interviewed me for I think Horror DNA years and mm-hmm. years and years ago, and we just clicked. Yep. Uh, he's from the same part of New York that I went to high school in, and it turns out we knew a bunch of people, and we're just like, hey, that's a weird connection, and we just you know kept it going from there. James is actually the uh, editor on One True Love. Okay, now James that's is awesome. just a, a great dude, like Amazing. just a so just a real solid. You you talk to him for five minutes, and you're like, God, I hope I hope he's my friend. You know, like like <laughs> you, you you just want him to think of you as his friend. So like James is just a solid dude. I mean, he's probably asleep. I don't think he's watching this, but hopefully yeah. he catches the replay and here's his kiss in his ass. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, what? I'll, I'll, he's one of those guys. Like, like when when that that guy Charlie Stickney comes up, like I don't like to kiss his ass because everybody does. Because yeah, Charlie's great. Yeah, Charlie's yeah. smart. Charlie's yeah. nice. Charlie's generous. Like, eh, yes, yes. I agree, but like we don't all have to fucking say it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I want to be sick opposite. of it. If, yeah. I want to be honest. Everybody talks about how nice everyone is. I'm like that Mario guy's a dick, but he gets it done. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you and Charlie are dicks, but you get it done. But James, <laughs> James, is fucking, James is a damn mensch. I, I like oh, James. Well, you know, it, he's the editor. You're the writer, uh, Jay. You've you've done the art. Uh, the, I guess the letterer, you know, you do, I also doing tones on that. So, you know, you're kind of coloring it or at least toning it, you know, so that, can, yeah. uh, who's, uh, the rest of the team, I guess would be your letterer. Who's, who's lettering the book. Yeah. My buddy, Scott Ewan, uh, Scott's another guy. I've worked with him for years and years and years. He's someone out of Hubert. He used to be an illustrator. Uh, he stopped. We did Corktown together. Uh, I like to, like a lot of directors, I like to use the same people over and over and over again on my team. If, if mm-hmm. I feel like they're doing great work, we can keep that going. But uh, yeah, Scott is the letterer on this. He lettered all tales of the pandemic. Uh, he didn't letter Kill Cello, unfortunately. That was Matt Crozer. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, Scott's a, Scott's a great guy. He's a family guy. He loves riding his bike and hanging out with his family and 
writing his novel. <laughs> and then he only letters for me for some reason. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Matt Taylor did the covers for this. Uh, Matt oh, okay. is a wonderful illustrator that I met through Instagram, uh, doing, seeing his ship work that he did. It looked like, it looked like ads for like old tiny cruises. And uh, yeah, we just came together trying to find the right project. And I was like, hey, I have this idea for what it looks like from the Hollywood Hills. And I showed him pictures that I took from my time out in Los Angeles. And, you know, that's where we came up with two different covers. We couldn't figure out if we wanted nighttime or daytime. So we just went with both just because, mm -hmm. I mean, it's different vibes from the same view. If you guys ever have a chance to, you know, go up there, have you been up there? Um, Los Angeles for all its smog and bad crime and all sorts of stuff has beautiful <laughs> areas and that's but that's if it didn't have bad crime we wouldn't have noir no <laughs> so we you have to take the, you know like facts of life you take the good you take the bad <laughs> by the way will we are still watching the facts of life it is fucking awesome by the nice. way we're we're deep into season two joe's there it's gorgeous guys go to Tubi, oh. rewatch facts of life it is an adventure I've got the theme song stuck in my head oh <laughs> yeah have you have you watched the first season in 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 the last 20 years no uh no maybe in the last 35 go no. to Tubi <laughs> and watch the first episode it will blow your mind what they did on sitcoms about a girl's school in 1979 okay it is an adventure it was 79? It was like 78, 79 that, that Facts of Life started, and then it went wow. through about 86 or eighty six or 88. It went forever. Okay. So, like, all right, guys, guys, we only have one project, so I'm going to go on my Facts of Life. <laughs> I watched the what I thought was the pilot, which is not true, but it's the first episode of Facts of Life just on a, on a whim. And it blew my mind, um, and I don't want to spoil it because I want you guys just to go to Tubi and watch it. But Mrs. Garrett was like, I've been working in Charlotte Ray's the actress. I've been working in television for 60 years. They have just given me my own show. I'm going to effing go for it. And she held <laughs> nothing back. And then insanity happens. And so for four episodes, it's just full on insanity. And then they kind of dial it back for the next nine. And it's still pretty crazy. And then the next year, they kind of fire almost every girl except for Natalie, Tootie, and Blair. Okay. And they bring in everybody's favorite Joe. <laughs> and I, I thought maybe okay. I'd stop watching it because I thought maybe it'd get good, but not good enough to keep watching it. But once Joe gets there, it's a damn good show. So I think I'm just a facts fan. Guys, watch <laughs> the first episode. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you, you are going, it is going to blow your mind. Watch it from like a, uh, like a, I, I'm just watching it as like a communication major. Like, oh, this is what they did. This is the choices they made. Guys, you got to watch it. That's all. <laughs> and, and back one true love, but seriously, facts of life. <laughs> And tonight's show is sponsored by Tubi <laughs> and the Facts of Life. <laughs> I I do want to do a Tubi Insanity uh, a podcast where I just talk about the insane things that I have seen on that incredible network. But um, all right, so um, what what was the other book you were talking about, Jay? That you just finished? Is that out in stores that people could check it out? 
Um, Hush Ronin, the first issue has been released, uh, came out in January. Issue two is currently available for pre-order, uh, through Diamond, uh, and, uh, or through the Band of Bards website. It's going to hit the shelves in August, uh, 58 pages total. Um, I'm releasing it more or less quarterly. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it more, I'm say by myself. I've got a couple of editors that I work with, and I have Leland Bjerg doing letters for me on that one. But it's uh, very similar to um, One True Love in terms of the artwork, realistic human figures, uh, black and white toned art, uh, like an old, and like uh, picture like Sandman mixed with uh, an Akira Kurosawa film. It's sort of a story about story. So there's uh, kind of magical realism to it. Um, I've got one other going with Band of Bards that has not been solicited yet. Um, the first issue was done. It's got a very long title. Uh, Christopher Kubrick, Nebraska and Matilda Save the World from Fucking Nazis. Uh, <laughs> written okay. by Chuck Satterley and Jason Michalski. So it's uh, a fantasy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, alternate history. Uh, if... Um, the Nazis, the Nazis don't war. come back? What? Like, uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. More, more like if they had won World War II before it even started. Uh, so a lot of things that have happened in uh, say modern history after World War II haven't happened yet. So people like JFK are very much alive and possibly mm -hmm. being the, you know, the pirate captain of a submarine or um, various <laughs> other things. Nixon uh, didn't have his... Uh, we have we didn't have quite the same moment in the sun um so there's that one that's going um so i'm I'm gonna stop you for a second so how do you when you when you come up with this concept um where where do you start with that so you're like okay so the nazis won where do you find the story when you, when you put a book like this together that one why well, i'm not i'm not the writer on that one okay. um it, it, yeah I, i'm and i know uh Chuck and Jason, they just kind of, they'll get together and strange things will happen. I'll, I'll hear about it on discord or they'll, they'll come back into the, the DMS on, um, on Twitter. And I, I can tell something has happened. Um, you know, it's like a couple of people leaving a room and coming back with, you know, their shirts on backwards and messed up right. hair kind of thing. Not that they're, <laughs> not gonna apply their, um, you know, but, uh, so same kind of, uh, the like vibe a, a brain baby has been conceived mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> strange yeah, things are afoot at the circle k huh yeah yes <laughs> yeah i'm i'm thinking of madeline holly rosling's like boston Met metaphysical society these these stories where you 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 go back to a point in time that is accurate and real and change something big and then you know create mm -hmm. your own timeline i i I, it's too big for me as a writer to kind of comprehend. So I always like to dig down and in, in that. And I think a brain baby is a really w good way to describe it. Like, yeah, like I just had a brain baby and you know, it's, it's gotta be difficult. I mean, cause it's also, um, you know, it's managing an ensemble cast too. It's, mm -hmm. it's very much, um, I wouldn't call it a superhero book. It has that feel though, of kind of, uh, what are you thinking of the suicide squad or, um, What's the other one? Sort of Mission Impossible, um, almost like they're they're not superhuman, but they're yeah. super heroic. Well, there's in a sense, yeah. Like uh, we've got when the the one of the main characters is I'd call him like a cross between like 
Indiana Jones, Lee Marvin with like a soup son of Andy Griffith. And then there's uh, a, a super intelligent gorilla with a cybernetic arm. Uh, and then the mystery's out over how and why he got the cybernetic arm, only that he was uh, raised by Jane Goodall in a, in a Nazi facility before other things happened. And right. um, it, it goes goes some interesting places. It sounds like it goes some very <laughs> interesting places. <laughs> and uh, a, a robot child, um, kind of like a Pinocchio analog, in a sense, who was the... Um, built and raised by alan turing so you know, it brings a lot of very familiar historical figures in into the into the narrative and in a ways you, you never would have imagined them uh, and that's mm -hmm. been fun too uh getting to play a little bit with with real people in a sense mm -hmm. cool no that's very awesome. cool well guys um let's do we we didn't do the 30 second pitch but in case somebody just comes in and is watching it live uh, why don't you talk uh, for a little bit more about One True Love, how it came together, what it is, and why people should come and check out the page um, and, and back it, uh, hopefully, tonight. Uh, Jay, you want me to do this one? Um, yeah. I'll work off you if that's all right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hey, everyone. Uh, yeah, One True Love is a uh, graphic novel. Uh set in 1969 Los Angeles. It's a story of uh, two criminals who are hiding out after pulling off the heist of a lifetime. And in the afterglow of what they've done, uh, they start to unravel when, uh, you know, just a lot of elements get thrown into their plan. It's a story of greed and lust and paranoia. And it's, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of a sexy book. <laughs> you know, you really want to put there's no, there's no good people in this book, of course. Spoilers. So, nice. you know, we want to put them through the ringer and just show, uh, you know, I have this line I keep saying, anyone who helps you steal, no matter how well you take care of them, can never truly be trusted. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's just the story of just, you know, the, the collapse of friendship and just thrown into the lens of, you know, Hollywood, of course, and how that life can corrupt you. It sounds like an incredibly unfunny fish called Wanda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not saying it's bad just saying unfunny there's bits of humor in there but it's not intentional <laughs> got it got it all right well guys we really appreciate you coming and joining your your friday night with us good luck with the rest of the campaign one true love on kickstarter give it a look give it a back and uh when you guys have another book uh we pretty much do crowdfunding here but you know Will and I can break the rules. If you got a book uh, coming out on a Wednesday and you want us to hear about it, we'd love to to do so. So thank you. Have a good night. Shawnee, Blake, anybody else? Uh, we just got a comment that last second. So let's get Shawnee says, uh, have a great night, folks. No, you, <laughs> Shawnee, you have a great night. And we appreciate you joining us. Uh, mm -hmm. Good night, everybody. Hey, thank good you. Good night. Take care. Mm -hmm.